Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series with me, Kevin Brits, proudly powered by leadershipbydesign.co, leading the change uh, and the charge with insights, information and ultimately effective results. Joining me in today's leadership and coaching segment, we have a mind coach, facilitator and published author, Alison Blackler. Alison, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. To, to start it off, I wanted to ask, don't you want to give us a bit of background about you, what you do, uh, and, and just share with the audience about uh, more about you? So I love to help people understand themselves. Why do I do that? It, because that was my growth. That was my success, really, for myself. I set off on a journey many, many years ago to understand myself better so that I could probably change some of the old patterns of thinking and behaviors that weren't working for me. So I started training many years ago, 20 plus years ago as a therapist. And I worked in the National Health Service here in the UK for many, many years. And then I've trained in different types of coaching, uh, NLP and different approaches, basically always helping us understand the, the why. Because what I believe is if we understand a bit of the neuroscience a bit of the reality the way that we're wired and then we can make sense of us you as an individual it changes everything so i do this with individuals i do this in teams i do this with leaders executive groups i work in prisons basically wherever there's a person with a with a mind i love to come in and see what i can help Fantastic. I love that. So, I mean, when we when we first started and like you say, you know, you've had extensive experience in various areas. But when, when we did speak, you mentioned something that I, you know, sort of twigged a, a nice conversation in my head. And uh, you spoke about the drama of leadership. <laughs> so I, I want us to just spend some time on that and then, you know, we can touch on, you know, authenticity and and also new management. But um when we spoke about it, uh, when you said the drama of leadership, and I was like, mm, that's a, it's such an interesting sort of approach to conversations because we often, we don't associate, we tend to, and I suppose it's just a bias that I have, I tend to not associate drama with leadership, but inevitably, you know, there, there's a lot of drama that sometimes comes with having or being a leader and, uh, you know, stepping into a leadership position. But don't you want to give us some, some, ideas on why that sort of was one of the uh, sort of structures you use when we when we mm. chatted I, I think we need to say it don't we we need to be honest and say that there is drama there is conflict there is problems in all areas of our lives whether that's in your family your friendship groups in teams but particularly in leadership so i do like to talk about it i think let's be honest and let's almost create it so that we can really look at it properly. So for me, what I observe, and you know, people talk about drama is you know, there's somebody in your family that's uh, always angry, and then there's somebody in your family that's always trying to scoop everybody else up and trying to help everybody, and then there's somebody in your family who maybe is is often really down and hard on themselves. But for me, that goes on in work, that goes on in teams, and I see this in leadership groups. Uh, I see it in executive groups. And for me, it's helping them see that that is what's happening. So the reality, let's not pretend that it's easy. And then let's look at 
why you might be doing it because quite often particularly around drama with leaders they may well and quite probably will be in a hundred percent in charge or should I say not a hundred percent but they think they're a hundred percent in charge so they can be quite demanding they can be quite critical of other people so for me that's the drama of being the sort of persecutor if you like the the, the one that's like oh everybody else is in the wrong here and it's you know, it's all your fault. That is not the way that we want to be led. We can't be led by people who are very authoritarian. And that, to me, is one area that I see a lot of drama, which means there's going to be somebody who is feeling got at, spoken mm. badly to, feeling undermined, feeling disempowered. But then the other thing that I think is really interesting, and I know we're going to touch on new managers and new leaders later, but so often people in businesses and leaders are scooping people up. They're not empowering them to do their job well. They're stepping in and they're saying, oh, it's all right, I'll do it. Oh, you know, I'm obviously the only person who can do this properly, so I'll do it. That is like a rescuing situation. That is, is stepping in when it's not needed. That's not believing in your people so that you can have them do what do their jobs well and feel great about their jobs. So for me, the, the, the whole triangle that goes on in drama, and it might be even between leadership uh, members on the on the boards. I, I work in teams, boards of uh, leaders where they are not getting on at all, you know, and, and almost that for me is quite exciting. I like a, I like a leadership team that's not getting on because then I can really go in and help. <laughs> yeah, I, I must. I, I tend to agree with you because, you know, I, I I've done a lot of unconscious bias training and and coaching and uh, and you know, unconscious bias in itself can you know it as a subject matter it can really become a bit of prickly and and you start having to uh, you have to step into that kind of environment where you're having very difficult conversations, right? Um, but what's interesting about that is, you know, uh, leadership very often don't approach it with becoming curious about it. They become defensive about it, you know, and it's Im immediately when you, you're using defense as the mechanism to talk about anything difficult, invariably you're going to step on toes. But the moment you become curious about it, it, it takes away the judgment. It takes away your emotional attachment to something and you kind of go oh that's interesting i wonder why he did that or i wonder how you put that information together in your head because that never occurred to me that way you know and curiosity lends itself to such a beautiful facilitation of drama <laughs> or mm -hmm. conversations you know but yet we we don't see it that way no. is that something that you sort of uh, also find that you know it, it's i mean that mindset that changing the mindset approach is that in itself helps alleviate the drama definitely i think slowing down just and when you say slowing down i don't mean slowing down like ridiculously slow down but just slow down enough to just think i wonder what actually happened here because the human brain is wired to give us an emotional response immediately mm. like five times quicker than any logical thought so if we roll with that emotional response so we feel cross we feel like i've made all this amazing plan i've rolled it out to my people and it's all gone horribly wrong 
or we feel completely like just shutting the laptop and going home. You know, let's be honest, we, we have those feelings. They're normal. But when we follow them, when we don't pause, I mean, I love the word curiosity. I think it's a, a power tool that we don't use enough. Just be like, oh, I wonder what happened there for me or yeah. what happened there for the other person. And I like to use a lot of the models that I was taught when I was a therapist and, and coach. I bring them and I show you them. I, I, I show people them because I believe that then they can make sense of the situation of themselves or of the other person. And then you can really make a difference and a change. Absolutely. I love it. And I, I like the, the analogy of slowing down, right? Because immediately when we when we find ourselves in a drama, it's usually emotively connected and emotionally connected. So there's this wonderful emotion that you're having with the drama. And, you know, then the, the scenario starts playing out to such a degree and you're kind of going, OK, but did any of that really happen? And you're like, no, this is me just creating the story of the drama. Um, another another point that I made around this conversation was don't negotiate the negotiables, right? And and I think that also it creates a, an opportunity to release as a leader, but also the requirement as staff to their leaders to kind of go, where are the boundaries? What are the boundaries, right? Have we spoken about the boundaries? Do I know your expectations and do I know what the boundary requires of me? And what is negotiable and what's not negotiable? And I think though that clarity, and maybe it's clarity, the, the word I'm looking for is, you know, to really clarify who are we as a team? Who are we in this capacity? And what can we do? What can't we do? Do you find that boundaries and clarity is usually a sort of theme to this drama? <laughs> I think so, because I think coming back to your point about unconscious bias, mm. you know, our brains use those as filters. But what what we we you and I know is it makes up things. You know the brain fills in the gaps. So yeah. and it can fill in the gaps based on something that's happened to you in the past. So you might feel that your status has been threatened because in a previous situation somebody did threaten your status and it was a really uncomfortable situation. So somebody says something, and in that moment you feel completely disproportionately un unsettled and unright and that's when we follow that feeling so I think for me we we absolutely need to get full clarity on expectations on communication has it been communicated well has it been communicated well to everybody because everybody picks up information differently you know I hear be leaders say I've got this amazing new plan and it and I've spent hours on it and it's going to be amazing and we're going to put it out to the people and they do that and they're so disappointed because everybody interpreted what has been said differently so you've got literally like dropping a a, a, a rock in the water and big ripple ah oh, you've got all these different ripples all these people have everyone's heard it differently and that's where i think leaders can feel very they can either go into that real, right, right, I'm in charge here, I'll tell you all what to do. Or they feel very, uh, they feel like it's unfair. They feel like nobody kind of gets them. And I think for me, it's, it is about expectations. It's not making up things. Don't make up the reason why somebody hasn't done something is because they're lazy or because they're not capable. It could be something completely different if you stay curious, pause 
as we yeah. said just just breathe just be like whoa i wonder what happened there yeah i i i you know and i'm just thinking on your on your point about the the unconscious bias that that information that we're making up you know um there, there is a wonderful video and i forget his name now but there's a it's a sort of a little video on TikTok that shows different sort of angles and degrees of a of a moving spiral but it creates a beautiful sort of um visual for you know how people have different versions of the same thing um and one of the things he noticeably says in the video is we are emotionally connected to the version that i see so when i'm emotionally connected to it then the moment it changes that's where the drama sets in and i'm not curious enough to understand or unpack it to that degree to just see a different angle right and i think you know that that also lends itself to when you see it in context like that it alleviates some of the drama in itself because you're going okay that's just me that's just my version of this but i mean one of the one of the things we you know pointed out around um the drama that we speak in around leadership is authenticity mm -hmm. and i know this is something that you also touched on quite specifically but i mean why authenticity and you know yeah there's a there's a new um i think when we did uh, it's called the spain emotional um connection that they've they, they've actually done a study around it uh, around the frequency of um what are the highest emotional frequencies that we can attach to and love joy and all of them are, are you know, right up there with some of the highest frequency but authenticity comes out as the, the top kind of frequency that we vibrate at mm. so, why do you say that this is you know an important factor to what leaders should be experiencing and actively you know partaking in i think one of the things about authenticity i mean it is a word that's been used a lot today yeah and everyone sort of yes you should be yourself and yes you should be your authentic self and yes you must be true to yourself we're often not because of all of these misunderstandings uh, filling in the gaps making up what you think everybody else is doing so we then we end up adapting ourselves just like we did when we were children adapting this to a situation to try and get the best outcome but if you for me when i watch people and observe people and, and myself included you know when i wasn't being my true authentic self i was miserable really really miserable and if all of us are doing a bit of that, if we're all not doing, you know, so imagine a team of people, if we're all not being ourselves and asking for what we need and making sure that we have things communicated in a way that makes sense to us and all of the different combinations of things that would need to go on on a daily basis, we're, we're all going to be miserable. Yeah. So if you, if you at the leader at the top isn't being your true self and you have to look what that is because there's no point being your adapted self which might be the very critical person who comes in and thinks you know right my authenticity is me you know telling you all that you've done a rubbish job that's mm. not being authentic because actually inside you won't feel good you know innately as humans we want to be liked and we want to like others it, yeah. it, it's normal so if we're in conflict with each other because of an unwritten rule or an unwritten expectation automatically everyone's going to be miserable yeah i'm just looking at some of the notes you know around authenticity as well and 
you know, one of the points that I found with uh, on the Center for Creative Leadership speaks to, you know, five ways to be more authentic, and that's rethink your leadership image. Um, it speaks about your self-awareness, assessing your values, um, what your likes and dislikes are. Um, uh, how you take action is important and effective communication. And, you know, when you, when you see it in context like that, you kind of go, and I think that's one of the, you know, some of the programs that we run at the moment uh, really want you to take responsibility for who you are in that environment. And I think part of that conversation is you have to realize that the energy that you bring to the moment, you are 100% responsible for. And, you know, if that means you've got to take a bit of a, a detour every morning before you get into the office, then do that, right? Yeah, I agree. But you have to be responsible for how you show up and think, you know, what is that image? What is that brand, that personal brand message that I'm bringing to this environment? I think one of the things that I observed enough for it to be a thing is that if you're the leader, there is an expectation from yourself and often from everyone else that you will know all the answers, that you will have it all going on. You'll know exactly what to do. You won't make mistakes. It's, it's all rubbish. You know, all of these sort of ideas about I, I'm the leader. I need to be the one. I always have, have this metaphor of, you know, imagining you're at the front of your team and you're there with the with a big flag come on everybody follow me i know exactly what to do and i you know i know all the answers i know absolutely everything that's not authentic if you've got if you recruit well and you help people and and get people the right help to be the best version themselves they will hold their accountability for their role and you don't need to be i always use the other metaphor of you know leadership to me is a bit like being a sheep you know sheepdog you know, with way it's just like little little instructions to help people do their and know exactly what they're doing. So for me, authenticity in leadership is about being vulnerable. It's about being able to say, "I made a mistake," or "These aren't my strengths, but they are yours." And empowering your team to sort of fill in the gaps with you, and that to me is much better than pretending that you are going to be perfect or that you know everything because a leader shouldn't actually know everything if you've been recruited the right people i'm so i'm so glad that you brought that into this conversation because i, I don't think people even put those two concepts or thought processes into the same conversation where authenticity very often speaks to vulnerability um, and as you said it now, you know, it, it's like a light bulb moment. And that's so true because because we don't have all the answers. And, you know, it takes a very big man or very big woman, a uh, big person to be able to go, I don't know what to do right now, right? And And having the ability to step into that vulnerability to kind of go, maybe I should speak to someone who has a different frame, a different view, a different opinion, until you get to that position, until you play in that space, yeah. you don't know. Yeah, and you will. You end up creating a bottleneck as well. If you're the person who has to make all the decisions or rubber stamp absolutely everything, 
you know, again, if you are, you know, one person with a, a handful of people, then maybe that's true. But if you were a bigger organization where you've brought in people and you're paying them a good salary to to do a job and you're the bottleneck because everything has to come through you. Micromanaging, again, is something that I see in drama, you know, when you talk about drama, people being micromanaged. You know, leaders need to trust people to do the job and to do it well. And that to me feels like that's can again connected to the authenticity of just being able to say, hey, I don't need to know everything. I don't have all the answers. And I am interested in what you've got to say, because your people will will have some brilliant ideas if you give them a platform to share them. They yeah. they know how they know how to do the job. They know it well. Let them share that with you. Let them hear. Let, let them run with it. I mean, another authentic uh, role I think is to be able to go go on then go on then you've got a brilliant idea go on then you I trust you you go and run with it I don't need to get involved you go with it and then I'll be here if you know to celebrate with you if it's a brilliant idea or to pick up the pieces with you if it's not so but giving people the chance to sh show up I think means they'll go the extra mile you say yes to people and then when you need them to do something dig deep and do something extra for you they'll do it because you've given them that space to allow them to have that chance to say do you know what I, I always talk to leaders about what are people saying about you at their dinner table <laughs> yes. if, if you can influence that you've, you've made it if you can influence that positively to where they say do you know what this thing happened today at work and da, 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 this is what happened. And and, the, and my boss said, right, go on then. I trust you. Go and go and fix it. Go and sort it. Yeah, that's what you want to influence. If, you, if there's nothing else that you can do, it's what are people saying about you at their dinner table? I, I love that because, you know, it's in those moments where, you know, around a dinner table where people will casually say what they want to say about someone and you know if you don't if you haven't left a good taste in someone's mouth you kind of go well they won't say anything good about you they don't have anything nice to say right yeah. um but second to that i you know i always have lived by this notion um because people often because i i work in leadership very often people ask me so what is leadership and to me it, it it, and it, I think authenticity lends itself well to this is that great leaders create great leaders. You know, they are in the, they're in the business of creating other leaders because the moment you're creating leadership, you're sharing and using information and, and, and imparting with that information. And invariably, because you say, go on then and, and go and use this great idea, you're in, in effect giving people ability and room for growth. Right. Yep. That's what great leadership does. Right. Yep. Um, but it leads us to, you know, another sort sort of topic that we touched on when we first spoke is emerging leaders. And I think, you know, if we can use great leadership to fuel authenticity within emerging leaders, you know, you've got a winning recipe. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on emerging leaders and, and the areas that you think that really need to be fueled and, and empowered? I mean, some of it comes from the, the leader above them, which is what we've talked about already. The more authentic they are, the more real they are, 
with their emerging emerging leaders, the better they'll come up, the more trust you'll build, the more accountability. But I think one of the biggest challenges sort of on the very basic front is so often people are promoted to management because they're good at the job. Yeah. But they haven't got any ideas. Or when you ask them, if you if you do get to ask them, they do have ideas, but they're not putting them into place. So one of the ways I ask people to get ideas about how do you want to be as a manager, think about your favorite manager and then think about your least favorite manager. What was yeah. your favorite manager doing? And I can probably put my hand on my heart and say every single time I've ever asked that question, of which I've asked it many times, most people will say, they they were there for me they trusted me they believed in me they encouraged me to have a go at things that's what kind of people know works but when the pressure's on and the deadlines are looming people start to micromanage people start to disempower each other undermine each other and it just becomes a, a mess for everyone I mean I literally whenever I come across a new manager and their team you know you do almost feel sorry for them all because they're just all having the most horrible time because no one is happy everybody knows that it's all and sometimes it's somebody who's been their colleague yeah on Friday and on Monday morning they're now right I'm in charge oh. It's so tricky, isn't it? Yeah, and to all those businesses out there who are listening, <laughs> it's not a, it's not the most effective strategy, right? Because if you're taking someone who's good at their job and putting them in a leadership position, it doesn't mean that they can lead, right? So, and that succession planning needs, there needs to be a plan for that. There needs, people need to be, you know, be able to see that, okay, this person's been earmarked to be the next leader in this environment. Yeah. And yes, that's not always a quick, uh, easy, quick solution. Uh, and succession planning is not, you know, uh, something that you just do off the, off the cuff. But essentially, um, if, that's a, if you're capable of doing that and you're putting those plans in place, it becomes a beautiful transition. And, you know, then these people who are aimed at stepping into leadership are also have opportunities to run with programs and run with teams and take responsibility. And it becomes a process of upskilling the leader rather than just, oh, well, uh, you're good. So let's let's use you, you know, and yeah, that that doesn't work. If it's not an effective leadership strategy, it really isn't. And often it can go backwards. You know, it can be. So this person who was very good at their job now isn't doing as much of that so the, the the ripple effect can be really difficult if it's not managed well but one of the things i'm often just again it's the most simplest question as a, as a coach but just asking leaders have you asked people have you asked your people mm -hmm. what they want get to know them get to know the people who are ambitious who are looking for things you know you'll have people who don't want a management role they want to come in do the job and go home. You need those. Yeah. You also need those that are ambitious and then start to invest in them before they're even a manager. Start to look at how can we help this person because they're keen. They want, they're hungry. You know, they want to learn. They want to learn from you. They want to be inspired. 
I, mean, I think that's the the most challenging situation for any any of us. I mean, I, I'm sure you are the same. I certainly had managers in my past that were so uninspiring. I just it was just like dead dead yeah. in the water. But to to have somebody who is inspiring, who inspires you as a leader, they're they're the conversations that you can have. But you know, like I say, I often say to people, you know, have you asked? some so or these people about what they'd like or have you been to the whole team and said right we you know we need to change up the structure here let's have conversations about who's interested who's what and so often they're like oh no we just thought we'd give it to him because he was the best person at the job not going to work probably might do or very unlikely so another another you know touch point that i just want to unpack a little bit is you know managing up because as as we are moving into leadership positions, uh, you also have to be able to have those difficult conversations with people you may report to, right? And I think very often people who do have a line manager kind of go, okay, well, you're the line manager, so I must just take instruction um, and I'll sit back and wait for you to give me instruction. Um, but, you know, one of the conversations we touched on was managing up and the importance of that. Don't you, like, from your perspective, give us some insights on why that's very important as well? I think people, again, everyone has brilliant ideas and everyone needs to, A, be able to shine with those ideas. But there are, somebody needs sometimes to stop the leader who's gone off on some shiny new thing or you know often they're very entrepreneurial thinkers aren't they so they're often got tons of ideas and we do need people uh, in the next layer down if you about the people and because they can often be very uh, in the visionary thinking and not actually in the uh, actual the impact because yeah. it can be so so for me you know we do need to have people who are going to challenge and say hang on a minute what about the teams when we do this new thing that you've decided we're going to do but i think something else that sort of springs to my mind is when we are not challenging so if there is a leader who is behaving in a way that is not okay which we see it i'm sure you do i do because they're the leader they think that they can just ask somebody to just can you just do this for me right now today without any consideration for what so that would be an example of maybe the way they are sometimes they can be very rude and they almost think they can get away with it if no one is challenging that then the ripple effect to the rest of the firm becomes a cultural thing other people start doing it and people think there's no point in raising problems because obviously nothing gets done yeah. Because nobody's up here challenging and and having, and I think as a as a leader, being open to being challenged, you be curious about what you're going to dare yourself to be challenged by your um, and not ju- not even just your um, the layer down. What about everyone else? Dare to ask, dare to put yourself out there and say what what do people see what what are you what are they saying at the dinner table dare to ask because i think there that there is so much i mean we've all got stuff in our blind spots we all have blind spots in our behavior and our awareness and i think 
being brave to speak up but for me it's the ripple effect it's it's the same as if there was if there were a team member who was behaving in a certain way and it wasn't being challenged people that affects people so deeply that they that it means they don't show up properly every day they might feel really you know i mean you talk about unconscious bias you know that there's plenty of those around that cause problems if they're not dealt with and, and you know why you're speaking is like one of the things that occurs to me is for example um bullying you know in corporates and sometimes people you know because they are blunt or maybe they stressed or pressured or there's 110 reasons we would never know until you ask right they respond a certain way and immediately because it's not generally my way i'm offended or you know I, i'm taken aback but essentially part of that managing up is to bring the awareness to that person and go do you realize that like when you speak to me you you come across quite bluntly and it sounds like you're attacking me and we're not actually solving any problem you're making this personal yeah. it feels like you're making it personal are you making it personal and you know when and you know i always and this is something i teach and it's something i live by and you know there's a difference between intention and behavior and you know sometimes the intention is oh i just need this done quickly but the the behavior comes out quite aggressive or urgent and maybe rude you know and until you bring it to someone's attention that like was your intention to offend me that that person doesn't know that they've offended you exactly right? exactly i mean we've all got them we've all got things that other people can see in us that we can't and for any of us whoever you are to get curious about what other people that my always my caveat there always there is though you've got to respect the person or like the person that you're asking because mm. otherwise we're not really interested in what people that we don't really rate i think of us why would we be interested in that <laughs> quite frankly but i think if we rate them if we you know again th th this idea of just being really curious about what what we all see in one another they are our biggest gems and it for me in leadership if you can brave put your you know brave pants on and say okay i'm going to ask people genuinely what my leadership style is uh, you know what, what how they feel about it I think you then open that vulnerability, which means people are more likely to have. But the, the challenge we've got is if things aren't being challenged, uh, healthy debate, let's call it rather than challenge, healthy debate where we don't have to all agree. People will have a different perspective. If things aren't challenged, whichever way, up or down, there's no trust. Yeah. If you want to build trust in a business, you've got to have a mechanism for everybody being challenged and know that you might be challenged. So I think that's the other thing is to know that these things won't, you know, we're not in a shouty, horrible way, but to know that if you don't show up, people will ask you. But equally, so so might the leader be asked the same thing if, if yeah. it's appropriate. So, I mean, Alison, I, we could speak about the, the drama of leadership. <laughs> but I mean, if you if you could give us sort of three key takeaways from today's conversation, what, what do you think people should really, you know, as a as a as a go to process or a go to mechanism? What do you think those three important factors would be? 
Okay, so for me, like you say, we could come up with hundreds, couldn't we, between us, I'm sure. But I think for me, some of the things that I feel people need to pay most attention to is managing themselves first before they do anything else. So if you've had an, you will have had an emotional response to everything. That's normal. That's the way we're wired. But when I see people having that immediate response and then firing off emails and and calling people in and saying, right, you know, this is not good enough and lawless. I think just managing to be a really inspirational leader, you have got to manage yourself. So that feels, you know, a lot of people, I, I hear people say, you know, I just need help to, you know, to be able to sort everyone else out. Mm. Already, I, my alarm bells are, are ringing because no, that's not, that's not leadership, sort everybody else out. Yeah. I think, Something else that we've talked quite a lot about is healthy debate, is not being afraid to create an environment where people feel comfortable raising things that are not working, not moaning. We're not interested in just people moaning, but you need to create a space uh, or a place or a platform for being able to have healthy debate and healthy conversations. If difficult conversations are not being had, just creates so much, so many problems for everyone. Yeah. And my third point, I think, would be ask. Ask Mm. people. Just don't assume that somebody is going to, like, pick your idea up and run with it 100% like you did. Ask them collaborate get people involved but employee voice is absolutely critical with leadership you need to hear from people absolutely i love that alison thank you i think that you know that really gives us a, a good uh, sort of conversation around the drama of the and, and i'm glad that we you know that we we've unpacked it because it gives us you know some idea around you know what that means authenticity uh, emerging leaders um, how to manage up, why that's important. And I think that, you know, it gives us a nice thinking point. So I thank you for, for joining us today. Um, you're a mind coach, facilitator, and published author. Um, Alison Blacklow, where do we get hold of you if we want to get hold of you? So I've got a website, which will probably take you to all of the usual. So my website is www.2-minds.co.uk. And I'm on LinkedIn and all the usual platforms as well. And I've got a podcast as well. So um, not specifically on leadership, but more about just the mind. Fantastic, guys. And all that information will be in the the description boxes below. Um, Alison Blackler, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you for having me.